Hello, and welcome to the Running Centre podcast. Today we speak to Vivian Marnane from the Lockie Study. The Lockie Study is a population-based longitudinal study that prospectively evaluates the development of a group of Australian children with hearing loss as they grow up. This study is unique in its inclusion of children whose hearing loss was diagnosed through either universal newborn hearing screening or standard care, and all of whom access the same post-diagnostic services provided by the National Audiological Service provider, Australian Hearing. This means that their results can be fairly compared wherever and whenever their hearing loss was discovered. Today's discussion features Vivian, who will report on the psychosocial development of children in this study. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rennick Centre podcast. My name's Trudy Smith and I'm the Manager of Continuing Professional Education at the RIDBC Rennick Centre. Today I'm delighted to have Vivian with us from the Lockie program. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, Vivian? Absolutely. So my name's Vivian Marnane and I've been at the National Acoustic Laboratory since 2007 and I've worked on the Lockie study this entire time in various capacities. Um, as well as other projects around uh, children with hearing impairment. And it's very exciting to be able to work on such a big and important study for such a long time. Um, I feel very privileged to be part of it. It, it's it's history making. It's such an important study as well. And as someone who knows a lot about Lockie, I just think it's fantastic. And I've been talking about it with everybody around the world. It's amazing. But for those who are joining us who don't know very much about Lockie study, can you please just tell us a little bit about it and some of the findings? Yes, certainly. So the Lockie study has been going since 2005 and we've been following about 450 children across Australia, three states of Australia, as they've been growing up with hearing impairment. Um, So the way, it was just the right place and the right time for the Lockie study, the way that universal newborn hearing screening was rolling out at the time meant we had this lovely natural experiment going on of children being detected earlier and later. And we were able to capture that and follow the children to see what their short-term, medium-term and long-term impacts are of that early detection and intervention. Great. And are there, are there particular findings that are, that are meaningful and important, the, the early findings? Please. Absolutely. So, so far we've collected data at various age points with the children. So we've collected data as they've turned three years of age, five years of age, nine years of age. We're still crunching the numbers with the nine-year-old data, but with the five-year-old data, we've really found this really significant impact about earlier detection and earlier intervention with hearing aids or cochlear implants. It's really important for language outcomes. And particularly we're seeing that with children who have poorer hearing, the earlier they can get in the door, get their hearing aids, or if they need a cochlear implant, the earlier they can get that happening, the better the language outcomes. Sure. And, and we, we're seeing um, even in our own practice the differences in language outcomes for children. But I'm particularly interested today in the psychosocial outcomes for these children. Can you talk a little bit about the work that you've been doing with Lockie in that area? Absolutely. So as the lucky children turned five years of age, we did this really comprehensive uh, assessment battery with them. So not only did we capture and measure their language skills, we also tapped into how they were developing with their psychosocial skills. So how their emotions and behaviours were impacting how they act with other children, how they act with adults, how they interact with the world. 
Um, we did this using, using a parent report tool called the Strengths and Difficulties Questionnaire. Um, it's quite a widely used questionnaire out there. And it gives us an overall picture about how these children are developing, but also gives us little snapshots into different domains. So such as hyperactivity or conduct problems, emotional stress, or what we call pro-social behavior. So how kind and giving they are towards other children. Sure. So what did you find out? We found out that at five years of age, on average, these children's pro-social development are coming out within the average range. Compared That's to exciting. <laughs> There's always a but though, isn't there? Oh, I missed the but. I apologise. <laughs> Whilst overall these children are coming out within the average range, what we'd expect for average children of the same age, the proportion of children who are getting uh, significant difficulties and perhaps coming but what we call two standard deviations below the mean, so really struggling, that proportion of children is much higher than what we'd expect from the normal general population. So usually uh, we would see about 2.5% of children in the general population being in this kind of really low range under uh, more than two standard deviations below the mean. What we're seeing in the lucky participants is that that proportion ranges between eight and 13%. So wow, it's a bit, that's significant, isn't it? Yeah, and it really comes out. So we're really seeing that in terms of hyperactivity and uh, peer relationships and interactions, that's where the greater proportion of children as, uh, seem to be struggling. Right, wow. So. As, as someone who works with children with hearing loss, there's some significant implications for our work with that. Yes, it's kind of this really um, important aspect. It's, it's looking beyond an audiogram. It's looking beyond a speech and language score. It's getting this big picture going that, yeah, some children are really struggling and they're struggling in areas that you might not see when you're one-on-one -on -one with them. Mm -hmm and able to adapt and work in that kind of classroom environment or that early intervention environment. Well, because it's that social inter interaction, isn't it, that happens, we think about classrooms today, it's always in group work, it's pair work, and it's that engagement with somebody else. And if you're failing at that, then that's going to be influencing your educational outcomes, your sense of self, self-esteem, how you feel about how you're going at school. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, we measured this at five years of age. So a lot of these children hadn't even started school yet. Um, so I'm really excited to see how they're going at nine years of age. We've done the same questionnaire again. So we'll be able to see and we'll be able to see how much of the psychosocial development impacts how they're going in terms of language and NAPLAN schools and education. Yeah, I think it's going to have a real impact. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I wonder, is there any work that, that you're doing around what we can do directly to support students with this? Did any of the data kind of indicate areas specifically that we need to work on? Yeah, so what we did as well as looking at this big picture is that we kind of drilled down to try and narrow down what factors may be playing a role in terms of these outcomes to try and identify if there's some red flags you can look for um, yeah, with family. 
Yeah. So the way we did that is we took a, we separated the whole group. And so we just looked at children who were just using hearing aids by themselves. And we found with um, that group that really it's about the child's language skills at the time. It's about if a child has another additional disability on top of the hearing loss, that can have a real negative impact uh, kind of in this area. Also, the level of maternal education came out as significant. Interesting. Um, yeah, interesting. I can't really explain the underlying mechanisms why that might be just yet, but I thought that was an interesting one. Mm. And the other factor that came out as a significant predictor of psychosocial skills were peach scores at five years of age. So oh. that's yeah, so that's the child, how the child is everyday auditory functioning and listening environment. Um, so so children who are, are scoring higher on the peach have, have stronger social and emotional health? Yeah, that's what we're finding now. Yeah. So, oh, it's, I mean, that tool is proving itself so useful in the long term. It's extraordinary. It is. Um, as, as, a, as a risk factor, that's really useful for people to know as well. It is, and it's such an easy measure to collect and do as well. So the fact that such a quick questionnaire can really create this kind of bigger picture and give an idea about the bigger picture is really exciting. Um, I'll continue on. So with the kids with cochlear implants, we separated them out into their own little group and we had 97 children in this group at five years of age. We found a bit of a different picture with kids who use cochlear implants. So we found that it was really came down to two factors and that was the peach score again. So their listening skills in everyday environments and also whether the child had uh, an additional disability on top of a hearing loss. So as you mentioned, Trudy, the higher the peach score, the better the psychosocial skills seem to be. And if the child did have an additional disability on top of the hearing loss, that indicated that they would have poor psychosocial skills. Sure. So there's, there's lots of things for us to be thinking about. Absolutely. All of this as teachers. Is there somewhere that we can go to find out more about this? I mean, obviously you're going to be presenting at the Itinerant Teacher of the Deaf Conference on the 13th of September. We're so excited to host you for that presentation. Is there somewhere else that we can find out more of this information? Absolutely. So we've actually published two papers about our five-year psychosocial findings and they, there's links on our website to those papers. Yep. And we will, of course, put those links on our um, show notes so people can access those. Fabulous. Um, so it's a very simple website address. It's just outcomes.now.gov.au. And we try and have links and a list of all our publications about Lockie. So there's a lot there. We've got over 40, I think, at the moment. So It's a significant data pool for Australia. You, you should be really proud of yourself and the team for the work that you've been doing. It's really yeah. influential. We are, and we're excited. We've got so much more that we'll be giving over the next little while. Um, it's going to be very exciting. Brilliant. Well, look, really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much for sharing that. Looking forward to seeing you at ITOD, and hopefully we can encourage you to come and talk to us again. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Trudy. That was fun. Thank you. A big thank you to Vivian for taking the time to speak with us today. 
Vivian will be presenting at the Itinerant Teacher of the Deaf Conference on the 13th of September at the RIDBC Rennick Centre. Limited tickets are still available to attend this conference in person and online. To find out more, please visit the Short Courses website, shortcourses.ridbc.org.au.